Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and Whatever it is. <laughs> the worst titty discs. <laughs> Doesn't get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? So what's the order of this? Are you first? Yeah, let's see. Because uh, Exo Manowar is... 93, um, and then, uh, Me. you are 94, so you're, you're in the middle, Justin, and then Slingers is, holy God, all the way in 1998, the heyday of the shitastic 90s, um, <laughs> so, yeah, but anyway, that's the, that's the order. I will be the meat in your sandwich. Yay. All right. Oh, yes, the meat. Oh, yes. Yes. The, the corned beef to your sandwich, yes. Hey, guys! <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Welcome back to another good skin tastic lantern rific episode of Fan Holes Comics, motherfucker. Do you read them? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I will be one of your hosts tonight, but I am not alone. I have two, count them, two of my fellow spider alien fan holes with me here tonight. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike, and I was here. This is Justin, and it's been 527 days since my last parallax possession. I, 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 I knew it was a good thing when I didn't see the little grays in, in your hair, you know? So yeah, we're 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 doing a thing tonight. We're we're doing some comics, some discussion of comics. The the unofficial official theme is we're all talking about zero issues because, you know, why start with issue number 1 of a comic when you can read issue number 0. So yeah, we we all kind of got together and picked our own zero issues. It looks like mine is the earliest, so I guess we'll start with me. And then, you know, everybody'll kind of talk about their own zero issue. So, I guess if you're if you're looking at the title card, you'll you'll see what issues they are, but if not and you're just listening to this willy-nilly, you'll find out as we go. So, I brought tonight a comic from Valiant in my nefarious scheme to get the guys to read more Valiant comics. I brought Exo Manowar issue number zero, which also was my, in my, my little, uh, what is it? Midlife crisis post where I put, you know, the, the, 
top comic of the year for every year I was born when I did that in 2017 or whatever. So this was my top comic for 1993. It's Exo Manowar Zero, and it was on sale May 22nd, 1993. The cover price was a, oh my god, it was $3.50 because it has a brilliantly shiny chromium cover the story title is retribution the writer is bob layton the penciler is joe quesada inker jimmy palmiati letterer ken lopez and colorist is john c cebolero the issue begins ten thousand years ago on the home world of the spider aliens we see Two of their priests board a spacecraft. Once within, they place a techno-organic armor on one of their large warriors. However, the large warrior is swiftly disintegrated. On the planet Earth in 399 AD, in an encampment of Visigoths, Eric of Dacia watches his father Rolf forge a sword. He tells his son the sword is for his uncle Alaric. When the sword maker hears the scream of his wife Inga, both he and Eric know the Romans are attacking the encampment. He comes upon two drunken Roman soldiers raping his wife. Before Rolf can stop them, the Romans slit her throat. While Rolf cuts down one of the Roman soldiers and tells Eric to run, the other Roman soldier defeats Rolf and decapitates him in front of Eric. Eric then picks up his father's sword, stabbing the Roman who killed him. Nine years later, Eric is a young man taking part in raids in northern Italy with his uncle Alaric and his friend Gafti. The two friends discuss how Eric's uncle doesn't approve of his blood oath against the Romans. Eric lops off a Roman's head while racing away from the raid on horseback. Instead of returning with his uncle, Eric and Gafti make plans to attack what they believe to be a Roman temple rich with gold. Inside the temple, a priest tells the Roman captain to sacrifice his pretty blonde slave girl, blaming her Celtic beliefs for the recent Visigoth attacks. Just before the captain plunges his blade into her, Eric appears to stab the Roman captain through the chest. Eric also slays the priest. Gafti is disappointed to find no gold at all, but Eric decides to bring the pagan girl back with him as his spoil of war. Later that evening, Eric learns the girl's name is Deidre, and they spend the night together. A few weeks later, they have a pagan wedding ceremony, and Eric agrees to serve the sun and warrior god, Lu, as the deity has nothing to do with the Romans. Months later, while on a night patrol, Eric and his men come upon the spider aliens feasting upon their people. Eric quickly jumps into battle, cutting down one of the spider aliens. However, another spider alien grazes Eric with a blast from his laser gun. Knocked unconscious, the spider aliens drag Eric back to their ship to serve in their slave pens. Eric's men watch in horror as the spider alien ship abducts their leader, flying upward into space. Eric spends many light years as a slave of the spider aliens. While working at the refueling station, he meets a man called the Map Giver, who suspiciously looks like oh, 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 Elvis Presley. By the time the Map Giver has worked out a plan for Eric to reach the spider aliens' quote-unquote ultimate weapon, the spider alien ship they serve on is back in Earth orbit in the year 1991. 
Thanks to an unplanned distraction from Solar, Man of the Atom, Eric is able to kill his spider alien jailer. As Solar battles the spider alien fleet in space, a naked Eric makes his way to the room where the Exo Man of War armor is housed. He slides on the command ring and the armor covers him, protecting him from the laser fire of the spider aliens. Declaring the armor a good skin, Eric breaches the hull of the spider alien ship and destroys the ship with a mighty blow. Saying his farewells to the map giver, Eric and the Goodskin re-enter the Earth's atmosphere, as all Eric really wants at this point is to go home. And that pretty much is the probably long of the story, the long and short, the long version of the story in Exo Manowar issue number zero. I did buy this when it came out. I... <sighs> I, I mean, I may have talked about this a little bit in detail on the show, but I, I don't know that I've gone into too much detail. But I know, you know, Wizard really pushed the Valiant comics a lot. I think this was probably at the height of Valiant's... It, it's interesting, like, this is kind of after Jim Shooter left Valiant, but kind of at the height of its commercialization i guess you know like they, they they're doing you know the 90s gimmicks right you've got the the chromium cover and all that kind of stuff they they had a lot of new series coming out i mean you know i i kind of have been pushing these guys for a while like you know eventually i do kind of want to read unity with them and see what they think of it but you know i i've kind of sprinkled in a valiant book here or there or whatever but like one of the big ads in this zero issue is for Deathmate. So, I mean, there's nothing more commercial than the Valiant characters teaming up with all the Image Comics superheroes, right? So, like, there's 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 that. This is kind of the era in which this is set in. The, the zero issue came out, I think, a little bit after or before, like, Exo Manowar, I think, 19. But, you know, chronologically... It's a zero issue. The events of the story take place before Exo Man Award number one. But this is like, you know, reading, a, a, you know, hair to four untold, you know, backstory of the character. But I, I really love the art on it. I was, you know, obviously captivated by the Chromium cover. And I, I think I'd be willing to say that outside of maybe some of the you know, the, the original gold key characters like, you know, Solar and Turok and Magnus, like I, I'd say of the original Valiant character creations, Exo Manowar is one of my favorites. And I also kind of thought and I was hoping that Exo Manowar would appeal to Mike and Justin as well, because essentially... I mean, it's it's Conan in a suit of Iron Man armor. I mean, that's basically, if you have to distill it down to its extreme basics, like, that's what Exo Manowar, that's the pitch for Exo Manowar in a nutshell. But I, I, I'm assuming neither of you have ever read this before, and I, I don't know if this was a good or bad decision for your first exposure to it, but, you know, here we are, so I'm I'm ready to hear what you guys think of it. This was a good exposure, Derek. Cool. I was surprised by how much I liked this, to be perfectly honest. Like, I was really into, like, the whole Visigoth thing. Like, I kind of forgot about this was an Exo Manowar comic. And I was just kind of, like, thinking, like, oh, this is kind of like a fun Conan thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is Exo Manowar. When all the, like, wacky 
spider alien things started to happen and he like became a slave and all that stuff like i was just into like the whole historical part of it and then i was surprised by how i guess adult the comic is because there's uh quite a bit of blood and gore and some you know naughty parts and i was just like oh okay you 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 got away with this okay like you definitely wouldn't see this in like a marvel or dc comic like at all i thought the art was really great like i was really into the story and like at the end like it, it did what a good comic should do like it sold me on wanting to read more because i was like okay so what what's gonna happen to this dude now like is he gonna like be a barbarian in space is he gonna like you know go back to earth at some point and set himself up as like you know emperor of the world or like what like i'm like this could go like a thousand different directions and i'm kind of curious like which direction they go but yeah like i i really enjoyed this this was a, a definitely a good pick Cool. I'm I'm glad to hear it. What 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 about you, Mike? What what did you think of this? Like, does this does this appeal to you at all, or is is um like is the Iron Man comparison just kind of you know the armor only, and that's where it ends? Like, what what did you think of it? Well, you already know what like I, I've told you my connection to Exo Man of War, which yes, is you yes. know the Iron Man Exo Man of War crossover video game for PlayStation that me and my cousins used to play and you know we used to rock paper scissors for it and whoever won got to be iron man and whoever <laughs> lost had to be exo man or because we're like we were like you know who the fuck is this guy like you know like we know iron man but who the hell is this other guy but aside from that and i think i read like some of the tie-in comic to iron man exo man o war mm-hmm. like I've not, i don't have a lot of exposure to exo man o war and like this is yeah this is probably my first like dive into his actual like origin or, or you know like I, I didn't know anything about him other than like it's a guy in like an alien suit of iron man armor and like yeah like i i didn't know like he was like sort of a you know like i guess a primitive kind of you mm-hmm. know like conan type guy that like you know got the iron man the the piece of technology or whatever I, i'm not a big fan of joe quesada's art and like I never have been, and like I, I when I saw it with him, I was kind of like, oh, like I guess so. Like, like he he draws good like alien shit, I think, but I I don't think he draws good like humans, like and uh, like facial expressions, and like I, I don't know, like he's he's a little too like like his humans look almost alien in some panels, like and that's not like I I don't connect to that, but. But I generally, yeah, like I agree with Justin. I was generally intrigued by like the story being told like in this issue. And like, like I said, I didn't, I was like, well, I, assu- I was like, I assume this kid we're following will be like Exo Man of War, but I wasn't sure because I, I didn't know his origin or anything. And like, yeah, by the end, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Like this. So this is how he gets the armor. And then I I, I was like wondering, like, oh, wh- how does he end up on like in modern day or, you know, like what what like I was I was intrigued to see where he went next. And I guess that's a mark of a good like, you know, zero issue or, you know, a, a good origin story. So like, yeah, like I, I enjoyed reading this. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I. I, I think in general, most of the Valiant books were really well written, you know, in, in this era. And and definitely that was the pitch, right? They they kind of tried to to hype you up on the the story. Not not that there were you know, not that when they launched there weren't very that there weren't many talented artists working on the titles. You know, you had guys like, you know, Barry Windsor Smith and 
you know, of course, Bob Layton himself is, is a wonderful artist and all, you know, basically like there's a lot of different people that worked on the, the different storylines and everything. But I think when it initially launched, you know, it was more of a focus on the, the writing and the, 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 you know, eventual sort of cohesiveness of the universe as it was. And I think, I think this is also a snapshot of, of kind of where that took a slight turn, because I mean, th this is, I mean, Joe Quesada at the time, you know, whether you, you, I mean, I like Joe Quesada's art, you know, so I'm, I'm cool with it. Right. But th he definitely was an up and coming, you know, to me, like superstar artist, right? Like he, he sold books and his, if his name was on it, people checked it out. I mean, I, he didn't have much of a, you know, like th this is an exception to the rule. I think it's not like Joe Quesada had a large run on X of Manowar. So th this was kind of like one, it was a special event because they were kind of telling Exo Manowar's backstory, but also they they had a quote unquote, you know, wizard superstar artist attached to the title as well. So I think that was supposed to be like a double selling point, like not ba basically if, if you're going to swim in the image waters, right? I think the notion was not only do we have a very solidly written story, but we also have the the superstar art to go with it as well i mean i think it was supposed to be a, a you know a double blow as far as you know the the book was concerned at the time and and that might not be the case with like every single title i mean you know you, you guys will uh, you know I, I know we covered at some point you know on the show you know we covered like the shadow man issue and i think that was you know bob hall and everything so it's not like you know, I mean, Bob Paul is a good artist and I appreciate his work, but it's not like he was in the, you know, the wizard top 10 thing. You know, it's not like he was one of the the, the up, new up and coming hot artists, whereas at the time, you know, Joe Quesada was and, you know, that that's one of the, I think, selling points to this issue as well. I, I mean, I, I'd say in general, the title probably, you know, depending on your taste, you know, you, you may come to like other artists that are on the issue just because it's not, I guess, as you say, you know, maybe they, they, there's artists on there like Layton that don't make people's faces look like, you know, quote unquote aliens or, you know what I mean? Like, so there's, there's other art teams that work on the title as well. Uh, I think way, way later, eventually it was like, I think Bart Sears and Andy Smith did a bunch of stuff on it too. And that's probably the art that you'd be familiar with if you were reading the, the Exo Iron Man crossover and everything but yeah i mean i you know i have my my sneaky tricksy plans and i, I would like to discuss probably unity sometime you know next year because i think it's going to be uh, an anniversary point so that might be something to shoot for but i mean you know if you guys were intrigued by this you know there's a lot of i think i think that was almost i, I want to say exo was almost one of the longest running of the original valiant titles too because i want to say it got past like you know, I, I want to say it almost got to 70 issues. Like, I think it, it, it got to like 66 or 68 or something like that. So it was pretty long running. And, and also, I think, was one of the more popular characters and titles at the time. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. The time is out of joint. The time is out of joint. The time is out of joint. The year is 1994, or 1944, or maybe 2994? Time is under threat, and history is falling apart. Who will survive this crisis, and how will history be changed for those that do? 
Zero Hour Strikes takes you back to that DC Comics crossover and covers the entire story, issue by issue, tie-in by tie-in, as the DC Universe goes down to zero. Join Bass and Siskoid at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on iTunes, Zero Hour Strikes, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Remember, Legion. I brought Green Lantern issue zero, of course. It has a date of October 1994, cover price of $1.50. The story was written by Ron Mars and penciled by Daryl Banks. Ejected from the time stream due to the events of Zero Hour, Hal Jordan, Kyle Rayner, find themselves on Ua. They have a short battle and Hal is overcome with the weight of his actions. After a lengthy monologue, Kyle feels sorry for Hal and gives him the ring. Hal is overjoyed with his second chance, but once again starts talking about making things right. Kyle realizes the error he has made and eventually takes the ring back. Realizing he has no other choice, he pours his power into the very core of the planet, causing it to overload and explode. When the dust is settled, only Kyle remains and flies off into space. So I bought this two, three months after it came out. Like I was not there at the ground floor when all these huge events happened in Green Lantern, you know, like how going, you know, crazy town banana pants and the introduction of Kyle. Like I, I've always been a big fan of Green Lantern. I wasn't reading it at the time. I think I was just kind of like, I was just totally not paying attention to it. And then through, I guess through like some of the death of Superman stuff, I kind of took notice, but then I dipped out again. And then this happened and I was reading about it in wizard and kind of comics fire guy and stuff. So I was curious. I was just like, they, what they did? What the hell? Like he went, crazy and he he killed the other green lanterns and he killed sinestro and he took all the power rings like i like i don't like the sound of this but of course you know i was curious so i started reading it and i was like i i didn't know how to feel about it because i didn't like what they did to hell but i i genuinely liked kyle and i've always kind of been on that fence you know like i mean this was this was a huge thing, and like there were like websites. What was that name? It was like it was called Heat, and they wanted to like yeah, yeah. put Hal back. Yeah, like there there was such like hate and venom going around then. I mean, it's 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 easy to forget now. Like we can look back and laugh at it, but it was it it was it was a huge lightning rod for controversy. But I like I genuinely liked Kyle, so I just kept reading the book. And this, like I said, I picked it up two or three months after it came out, I think it was, I think it took me that long just because it was like, you know, it was a hot book and it was a zero hour tie in and all that. But I finally found it for, you know, eh, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't very expensive, but anyway, I, I remember reading this and I, I really liked this. I thought it was a good, like if this had been the end of hell, I thought it was a pretty, a pretty good, finale for him because you definitely see everything that's been going on in his mind like everything he's done like he like he sees like all this the skeletons of his fellow lanterns that he's killed and that's one of the things that like shocks him and he has like this huge monologue like i said and you know like kyle feels sorry and gives him the ring like that's how like overcome kyle is with emotion like he feels such like compassion and sorrow for what he's been through and he just gives him the ring 
And then Hal's like, oh my gosh, I got to take a chance. And then, of course, he's like going on. He's like, I can make things right. And Cal's like, oh no, like, what did I do? Like this, it's, it's going to start all over again. And you feel like you definitely feel sorry for Hal as the reader, even even after all the bad things he's did, like that monologue he has. I think that's like one of the really great comic monologues because you just feel for Hal like you like you you're it puts you in like Kyle's boots where like you want to like, you know, you want him to give him the ring and like you, you want them to like hug and like like be friends and be Green Lanterns together and, like, fix everything somehow. And, of course, I mean, things eventually would be completely and totally fixed. But at this point, like, you know, things are in ruins. Like, Kyle blows up Oa. Like, that's his solution to the problem. He's like, okay, well, you know, I'll just end this myself. Like, I got this one less ring. It's got its own powers that are unique. Uh, I'll just, like, take this away from, you know, uh, from, as a, I'll take this temptation away from Hal. And maybe this is weird too, but like, you know, Derek, you and I have talked about like how songs can remind you of like a period in your life. Like it, like you hear a song and it reminds you of like a time in like high school or college, or you hear a song and it reminds you of like an ex-girlfriend or something. There's a song I hear and it reminds me of this issue. And I think it's because like, I was, I, I think I took this issue to like a buddy's house, like, I would go spend the night and like we would play video games and then like I would like just load up my backpack with comics and we would just, you know, sp we would just like stay up till like three in the morning or something like reading each other's comics. But there's a uh, there's a song by They Might Be Giants. It's, you know, Don't Let's Start. Like there's a lyric that reminds me of this issue so much. It's no one in the world ever gets what they want. And that is beautiful. And I mean, that's basically how like. All Hal wants is to – he wants to fix things. Ever since Coast City got destroyed, he's been overcome with grief and sorrow and you know, feeling like he failed as a Green Lantern, and he, you know, he failed to protect his city. So all he wants is to you know, to fix things, but he, he doesn't get that, and it drives him crazy. And I think, I think the combination of hearing that song at that time and reading this issue just kind of – it connected the two in my brain so whenever i hear that song on the radio or or if i'm like listening to some playlist on youtube and it comes up like i automatically think of this issue but um i know you've read this before derek like mike had you ever read this before no i never read this particular issue did it have any impact on you one way or the other like did you feel like you were well, coming I'm... in between you know i mean i i know it's kind of like the the essentially this is kind of like an epilogue to zero hour right so you're 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 having a big skirmish with you know the old and new green lantern after a big major crossover or whatever but i i don't know if anything registered or not yeah i'm lacking some context i think but like i mean i know i know what the setup was at this time like when when exactly did this take place and like in 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 relation to like Kyle Rayner's like tenure as Green Lantern like pretty soon like after he started right or the Emerald Twilight takes place from like forty eight to fifty so by the end of fifty Kyle's gone crazy and Kyle has the ring I think this is pretty early into this because if I recall correctly what. Like, doesn't Zero Hour start creeping in around, like, what, 55 or something like that? I 
think, yeah. So, so I mean, it's it's been like, you know, uh, half a year maybe that he's been Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner, and there's this big giant crossover event, and you, you, you're kind of misled to think like, oh, well, you know, because, you know, Monarch was the big bad in Armageddon 2001, and it turned out to be Hank Hall, and then they kind of have Hank Hall show up, and you think he's going to be the big bad, and he remakes himself into this character called Extant, which has, like, properties of the Lords of Order and the Lords of Chaos and all this stuff. But as you get further and further into this zero-hour crossover, you know, there's the scene where, you know, Big Fist comes out and lays out Superman, and it's it's Hal Jordan as Parallax, and you find out he's actually the one, you know, sort of responsible for the whole setup why time is getting eaten away and you know essentially he's trying to rewrite history so that none of the bad shit happens and then i guess uh all our yahoo heroes are trying to stop him from doing that or whatever once that finishes off it ends with green arrow shooting hal jordan in the chest with an arrow but then i think that doesn't ultimately do him in and him and kyle are like whisked away to a final battleground which is where this kind of starts so like i mean that's kind of the simplified version of it but basically like that's you know this this is kind of like a an epilogue battle of you know and and that you know again the the crossover was designed where you know you had um what like five four three two one it it went in reverse or whatever Mm -hmm. when you were reading the zero hour crossover and then the idea was once the main miniseries was finished every single book in the line got a zero issue of sorts and most of them were supposed to be i don't know i i don't want to say most of them but a lot of them were designed to be introductory issues, maybe like the Exo Manowar thing, kind of like origin issues. Like in the case of Superman, it kind of introduced Conduit. So it was more of a Conduit, you know, introduction than a Superman introduction per se. But it dealt with aspects of Superman's past and how he knew Kenny Braverman when he was in Smallville and how Kenny Braverman turns into this evil arch-villain Conduit and yada, yada, yada. This is... I'd say less of that like this is more of a you know having having Kyle and Hal kind of go at it with each other mano a mano because that didn't exactly happen in the zero hour crossover and I think maybe just for the purposes of trying to quickly cement him as the permanent Green Lantern you know like they they uh, it seems like this is something that was I mean, I, I, I can appreciate it. Justin has a lot of fond memories of it. And, and I do, too. I mean, it's like I, I was reading this at the time. So, I mean, I get it because, you know, let's be honest. I mean, if you were reading Green Lantern at the time, like I was super into Hal and the book. But at some point it, it became the, you know, the 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 boring JMS Superman sir walks a lot but with how like you know 20 years earlier you know where it was just him you know walking along doing goofy ass shit and you you, you lost your interest in that because it got it got old and tired and boring and so there was this you know they, they did this thing to shake everything up you know where he he goes crazy or whatever and then you had this you know young kid come on the scene and it was a breath of fresh air it was interesting and everything it, it for me it's a little 
you know, it's kind of a mixed bag because like Justin, I mean, I, I think for us, every time we would see Hal come back, you always had that hope that, you know, it, it's, it's like a, I don't know, it's like an old girlfriend or boyfriend toying with your emotions. You know, they yeah. come back, you think, oh, things are going to be different this time. Like, they're going to fix Hal. Things are going to be different. It's going to be better. And then it's like, nope, it's not going to be better. And this this happens repeatedly. Like, they, they do a lot of cock teasing, uh, which is interesting. Because it's like, it's like every once in a while, they tried to do something where the, the Hal fan base could kind of hope for something. And then they kind of just, you know slap their dick in their faces or something you know because it's just like it's like they just didn't care or whatever but it's like you know it, 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 i guess it, it you know it, it's funny like you could think of it this way like what if for context for mike what if ben riley the scarlet spider became the permanent spider-man and everybody was okay with it and they said wow this is a breath of fresh air there's he's not married like we're, we're okay with the clone thing we've dealt with it we've worked it out in our heads and he was the permanent spider-man and they have a big event and it turns out peter parker's the villain of the big event and then peter parker supposedly gets killed but then he comes back has a big final battle with the scarlet spider and by the end of it you think okay peter parker's exploded blown up and gone but then maybe you know i'd say a year a year or so later it's like peter parker comes back and you're like oh okay well is he going to be a good guy is he going to be a bad guy and you read it and and it's like then they they assemble you know i don't know the avengers to fight peter parker and and it, you know just just it just kind of goes on and on or then They'll, you know, fast forward, and this is all an analogy, by the way, so this is all stuff that's actually happening with Hal and Kyle, right? But fast forward, like, maybe six or seven years after the Emerald Night, or uh, whatever, and it's like, uh, uh, or the final night, and, um, you know, the, the final night, it's like, uh, you know, quote-unquote, Peter Parker sacrifices himself to reignite the fucking sun, and then, and then they have another series of events where you know there's like a, a seven issue thing where you know Hal comes back because he's plucked from the time stream and and teams up with Kyle when they're both in their primes and they both actually become friends and then Parallax shows up too so it's then it's like Hal's fighting Hal and you know so so you you had all these kind of cock teasy moments where you were like hoping like the real deal would come back but I mean, ultimately, it seemed like their M.O. was to maybe tease a little bit, but then they would always bitch slap you down and be like, nope, Kyle's the man and Kyle's the real one. And, and, I, and I don't mean to say that, like, even in a derogatory sense, even though I make fun of Kyle Rayner all the time, right? Like, you know, who's that kid that took Hal Jordan's place or, you know, making fun of his mask, calling him crab face and all of that because he looks like fucking Sebastian from fucking The Little Mermaid or whatever with that mask on his face. But... Kyle was pretty relatable to most people at the time, you know, like, so I, I get why Kyle was, you know, uh, like, I can understand because I was there and I lived it like, and it, it it's just, uh, so I understand why it's a sort of a mixed bag of things, you know, why it's like, okay, look, like there, there were cool things about Kyle, but I, I guess the, the reason why I'm always hesitant about it is it's like, you know, 
it's a character that had to step on the bones of another character to to come up, you know, or or they constantly had to have him like sweep the previous character under the rug as opposed to it, it, I don't know, it was just this weird sense of like with the Flash characters, it's like yeah, Barry had, you know, had died, right? And Wally had to live in the shadow of Barry, but it's like you never got the idea. It's never like Barry came back and tried to bite him in the neck or like do something like horrible to him so that they could justify having the new version around, you know, whereas this, it was always kind of like, okay, yeah, we made uh, Hal Jordan go crazy. And uh, I mean, that that's what's kind of weird about it is like, you know, you, you sit there and you follow it out of some, I don't know, like it was just, it was just one of those things where you were desperately hoping every time you read it, it would lead to some kind of redemption. And I think that's why like Justin and me like the, the the series where he becomes the specter because we were like finally like so, something yeah. something where he's not just an evil scumbag you know like so you know but i i don't know anyway that's i i i don't know if that's like too much context or whatever but that's that's what i now, got for you what what was a little jarring to me and like because i like i'm not read a lot of green lantern but i i mean i know the characters like i've been in comics long enough to like you know have a a pretty good understanding of all the characters of Hal and Kyle and all that. I I've not been exposed to like Hal as parallax a whole lot. So it was a little jarring to me that he was like, so uh, clearly like out of his mind and like desperate and like, you know, just d villainous almost. And like, it, it, like, and I could see like them, you know, trying to put Kyle over for, you know, for that. But I, I like, I guess it's, putting like i got a better like marvel analogy for you because like i i've actually read some like some of this and i, I like i've read the letters pages of this when iron man was like during the crossing right, Kang right. was like you know when it was revealed like you know iron man was the traitor and like like all the letters pages like during that time are like oh, please don't do to tony stark what dc did to hal jordan like all the letters pages are like please don't like make tony stark into parallax and like like they're all begging them and like all the responses are like oh no no we're not gonna do that and of course they did kind of do that like and then yeah. you know they replaced him with like the teenage tony stark so like i get it like you know like i i can make that parallel like i can understand that well you, you know what's weird about that though like like the the, the main difference is the, the reason why those guys in the letter column were pleading was because they've already been slapped in the face by a dick a couple times like because they, <laughs> yeah. they, uh -huh. they thought that hal was gonna come back and like there wasn't like like when when tony becomes teen tony okay well one that's still tony like, like, even, even if, yeah. even if everybody's gonna sit there and go, what, Teen Tony? Like, it's still Tony. It's not like, it's not like they came up with a new kid to take over as Iron Man. So that's, that's point one. But then point two is, even if, like, there was never a thing where, like, Teen Tony had to fight, like, adult Tony Stark, and adult Tony Stark was still a villain. You know what I mean? Like, where you, you constantly got teased. It's like, once they brought back adult Tony Stark, and Franklin fixed all that shit, it was fixed. And that was it. And it was like, they never fucking mentioned it again. Whereas, Parallax is like Wolverine's bone claws. It's like... You can't undo that. Like, now it's fully... As stupid as both those things are, 
it's fully fucking entrenched in the history and identity of the character. Like, people cannot... You can't explain who Hal Jordan is without having to at least explain that he turned into a madman for, like, you know... Uh, during the 90s, you know, without having to explain, you know, oh, Wolverine has these bone claws, you know. And now there's the retcon that Parallax is, in fact, like a separate like character right, right, that, like, right. you know, took control of Hal or right. whatever. So, like, which was, I guess, damage control for that. But, but yeah, like, this, this was interesting to me because, like I said, I'm totally, like, I'm not, you know, you know me. I'm not some newbie. I'm not going to complain because I didn't, like understand exactly where like what point in the continuity these characters were coming from and like I couldn't follow the story. I could follow the story fine. Like I lacked a little bit of context, but I under like I got you know, I got caught up pretty fast. But like I don't know, it was just a little jarring to me like cuz just since I'm not too familiar with Green Lantern because I'm not familiar with how like as Parallax and like I, I'm uh, like I kind and I can see what you're talking about where, you know, it's like they wanted to put Kyle over. Yeah. So well, I mean, like, I, and they I, had to do it at, at Hal's expense. So I, I think it's funny because you have zero connection to Hal Jordan, but you're feeling whatever because you're a longtime comics reader and you have a sensitivity and understanding of the scenario and, and, and what comics do to characters in general. Like you, you don't even need to be a fan to comprehend that Hal Jordan sounds off to you. Like, every time Parallax showed up, he sounded off. Like, that's that's why, I mean, you know, even though people make fun of it, that's why the yellow piss monster escape clause, like, makes a lot of sense to people, because it's like, dude, he sounded out of character, like, you know, ever since they started that track, you know? It was like, you know, the, the, the thing of it is, if Coast City is what is supposed to trigger it, the thing that always drove me crazy was, okay, issue 46, Coast City gets blown up, and Hal Jordan's mad, but then he makes a comeback and beats the shit out of Mongol. That's it. That's the end, right? And then 47, he, he's hanging out with Ollie, and everything's fucking hunky-dory. Like, I mean, you know, as much as it can be, right? Like, he's not a broken person or turning to evil. But then, by 48, it's like, then he becomes Giggly McGee and starts collecting all these fucking rings and killing did, people. Let me, you know, let me, it's just like, what? Let me ask you, like, did he lose, like, his supporting cast when Coast City blew up? Or was it just like, a, you know, had he not, like... Were there any like named casualties of that, or was it just like, oh, my hometown got blown up? Like... I, I think I think at this point, this is a I'm gonna go out on a limb, but I think all of I think Justin can back me up. But this is a pre 9 11 like Star Trek generations. Look at the view screen. Fifty billion people died. Oh dear me, type situation. Like Coast City blew up, but like. Was his family in Coast City? Uh, no. Was Tom Kalmaku in Coast City? Uh, no. Was Carol, yeah, like, that's... vacationing somewhere? Uh, yes. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like you're sitting there going, like, well, yeah, wait. Yeah, so I was like, like what, what did he really lose, yeah. like, exactly? Like, uh, other than, like, a sort of abstract, like, concept of, like, home, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's, it, I, uh, part of me thinks it's a lack of care to, the character they destroyed where they didn't research anything or they didn't care about 
you know, or, or maybe, maybe it was just like one of those things where they were CYAing in case it didn't work out. Like, you know, he could go move to some other city and then his supporting cast could go follow him there later. But that never happened either. So I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, and it's not to sound like casual about the death of Coast City, but it was, it it was very, again, a a pre 9-11 kind of you know, oh, this thing happened, and uh, here's a bunch of numbers and facts and figures, but there's no, you know, acknowledgement or, or, you know, realization of the weight of what that actually meant, you know? Like, I don't know. that That's that's what that always felt like to me. Because, like you're saying, there was no consequence. Did, like, did if Carol Ferris was there, then you'd be like, dude, that's, that's a, a, a strand, a tether for you to kind of go, oh, well, shit, dude, bro's girlfriend died. No wonder he went fucking crazy, you know? Like, but, you know, that's not what happened, yeah. Like, it's interesting to me to, like, dip into this, like, period in time, because most of the exposure I got to it was through, like, wizard, like, like, articles about stuff, and, like, you know, here's what's happening in this book. I remember they had an issue where they did, like, their top 50 most shocking, like, comic moments of all time or something, and I think it was like number one of the, somewhere in the middle of the pack was like Hal Jordan goes insane and kills like the whole Green Lantern Corps. And I was kind of like, oh, wow, like that. I didn't know that happened. Like, that sounds like, we, you know, that sounds pretty severe. Like, you know, and like, you know, they just they had, you know, they had the famous cover of him with his goofy grin and all the rings on his fingers or whatever. So I was like, oh, I didn't know that happened. And, you know, I. I'd eventually glean more information about it as the years went by. But yeah, this is really my first like kind of actual dip in the pond of this like time period in Green Lantern. I was going to ask like, cause I was curious about the time frame because, you know, like it, it seems like Kyle's Kyle's still like, you know, a bit like begrieved over, you know, his girlfriend or yeah. whatever, but like yeah. how long ago was that exactly? Uh, like, that- like, two two issues ago like three yeah i was issues gonna ago? say like, like was, maybe, it was it that, very that, long ago that or? that happened really early in the run it was like he was green lantern in like 51 and i i i, I want to say like like either at the end of 52 or the end of 53 or something like that i forget but major force shows up pretty early and fucking then you know shoves his girlfriend in the fucking refrigerator right like so that that happened pretty early on i guess maybe it's a testament to how like compact and like straightforward comic storytelling like not decompressed it was like during that time where mm, it's like yeah. you know this this would have been like if it was like made today like bendis would have a whole seven issue arc of like the refrigerating of you know green lantern's girlfriend <laughs> and like there'd be mm. a whole like issue dedicated to it and then like a funeral issue and then like a therapy issue and then, like, he goes and talks to, like, Green, Land, uh, Green Arrow issue. And then, like, yeah, there'd be a whole, like, seven stages of grief, like, saga or something. Yeah, it was funny because I, 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 was, I was just trying to keep track of... Because it always seemed like every time they brought Hal back, it was, like, after they had killed him off. And I'm like, how many times are they going to kill him off? I mean, it's, it's, like, funny. Like, even in the opening, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but, like, even in the opening splash, like, you can see he's got the fucking arrow in his chest that he was supposedly slain with. Like, so it's, like, it, it just, it was, like, every time they brought him back, they brought him back to, like, 
sweep him under the rug again. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it was like, e- even when they brought him back in the, uh, I think the, the, the justice league thing, it's like, you know, it's like after this, you know, Oa explodes and you think, well, shit, that's a pretty big deal. Right. Like, I guess he didn't survive, but then later it's just kind of like, he just shows up like hitchhiking again and, and is like, Hey, what's up? I'm back. And, and it's like, I thought you were dead. Oh, I got better. I'm fine. You know, like, and you're just like, dude, like that. I mean, I don't know that that happened often, you know, and it was just like one of those kind of like, you know, it's a joke of comics, right? Like nobody, nobody stays dead for long. Right. So you like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen and I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin podcast. And every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection. As long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost a hundred bucks to collect. Join me in the quarter bin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarter Bin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast in iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. Speaking of, of dead people, why don't you tell us uh, what, what you brought for your Zero issue, Mike? Well, I brought Slingers number zero from Marvel Comics. It was included with, as I mentioned, I used to read Wizard all the time, so it was included with an issue of Wizard. Basically, the the concept of Slingers originated in a Spider-Man storyline from that year called Identity Crisis, like the OG Identity Crisis, not the, you know, the DC (laughs) one. What? Uh, what? Actually, there's there was probably there were probably other identity crisis crises before this, but like that this was the first time I encountered a storyline called Identity Crisis. The the concept and it was a pretty stupid concept, but Spider Man was like wanted, like but you know as like but it was worse that you know like he's he's always wanted, but it was worse this time for some reason. So he instead of being Spider Man, he created four separate superheroic identities to continue fighting crime, like in incognito, and like you know for it went on for like two months, and like each each of the four main books like had a different identity for him to be in. And like, you know, it, it, the, the, the idea kind of ran thin by the second month and you, you, it was kind of like, you know, it, it was like a goofy idea and like it, it didn't have many legs. But, you know, the, the four identities that were designed for him were all pretty like, you know, distinct and well designed. So Marvel decided to spin them off into their own title. And that was Slingers. And like Slingers kind of, you know, it. it it's kind of a mystery sort of where like how these it's four kids and they're given these costumes and you like you as you go through like the the series only lasted for 12 issues aside from the zero issue and you like you go through and you like you get to figure out like how they got these costumes and like who gave them to them and like what kind of like things they're expected to do with their powers and you know stuff like that and i don't know it was like a it was like a teen superhero book in the vein of like new warriors or whatever so like and i, I you know being that it spun off from spider-man and i was like very heavily reading all spider-man books at the time like i i was very much interested in reading it so like i got this you know zero issue and yeah i read the whole series at the time and 
But well, well, yeah, but let me. I'll summarize the zero issue, and then we'll, you know, we'll talk about it. Slinger's number zero was written by Joe Harris and penciled by Adam Polina. The story title is uh, The Learning Curve. The four members of the Slingers, Ricochet, Prodigy, Hornet, and Dusk, four kids, they're basically hanging out and, like, testing their, you know, abilities one night. Dusk, the girl, her name's Cassie St. Commons, and she's she she was kind of hesitant to you know they they're all kind of goading her to jump over a, a between two buildings, and she's kind of hesitant to do it. And like ultimately, she tries to make the jump and she doesn't make it and she falls to her death. And the other three basically are like, oh shit, like we're we're in trouble now. And that's basically when where the zero issue ends. But uh, yeah, like it was a. It was an intriguing setup for a series, and I was like, I was very interested in seeing where it went. And I picked up the number one issue like the next month. And this is what pisses me. This I remember it pissed me off even then. The number one issue of Slingers, there's actually four variants of it. Like it has uh, four covers for each of the four like heroes in it, and each cover has different pages like focusing on that hero. So if you wanted like the whole Slingers number one experience, you had to buy that fucking book four times. And like, you know, this is 1998. I, I get an allowance and I'm like, oh, I can't afford four fucking comics. Like, in addition to everything else I'm buying. Like, so, like, I think I bought like, I bought like, I, I think the only one they had at the t- the day it came out was like the Ricochet cover. So I, I bought that one. And then like the next week I went back and I went to see if they had any others. And I got like the Prodigy cover and I never found the Hornet or Dusk covers. But like, I, you know, I eventually read scans of those pages or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, I think the, the Slingers were a strong concept and like they could have gone a little farther than they did. Like it only lasted 12 issues before it was canceled for like low sales. And like, you know, it was it had some interesting concepts and I thought the characters were all strong. But like, I don't know, it never really found its footing. And the Slingers have shown up in various cameo appearances over the years. Like some of them have had better luck than others. Let's just keep the theme running. The the Slingers show up in various books only to have dicks slapped in their faces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, more, <laughs> more or less. Uh-huh. If you like the Slingers, you probably aren't happy with their subsequent appearances. Yeah, uh-huh. Well, let's say, like, Dusk, I mean, she shows up, a, she has a couple cameo appearances. She shows up, I think she, her most substantial role after the series is in that awful Peter David Scarlet Spider series. Prodigy probably has the most screen time out of all of them because he, he shows, he has a kind of bit part in Civil War. He's in Avengers The Initiative, and, like, he has a bit part in Fear Itself, too. Let's see, Ricochet Ricochet was part of that loners team of, like, other, like, superhero, super-powered teenagers and stuff. And Ricochet is also a mutant, so maybe he's, like, on... Uh, I was going to ask, like, because like, it, it seems like he's, like, a forgotten mutant or something, because it's, yeah. like, they, they people seem to overlook that, because I'm kind of, like... I think my first thought was when I was, cause I, you know, I, I have to be honest, like I, I'm sure I had the zero issue because I'm sure I bought the issue of wizard that it came poly bagged with, but I don't think I ever went out of my way to check out the series. I wonder if it's because of what you were saying, like that you had to buy, you know, issue one, like four different times to get the whole story. Yeah. Like, I don't even remember that. I don't, I don't, you know, remember, you know, even 
you know, that that's all kind of escapes me or whatever. So maybe I didn't know, but I, I clearly wasn't interested enough to keep, you know, getting yeah. any other issues. Like, I feel like to account for, you know, the, your, your um, explanation of it got canceled after 12 issues for low sales. I definitely, I don't even know if I bought any of them, but I mean, I'm sure I saw them at the the Golden Apple comics when they would have their 10 cent sales. Like I used to love those things, man. I would go down, I would go to, there'd be all these long boxes of shit that they couldn't sell. And, and like, there'd be like 10 cent books. And I just, I would fill up like a fucking long box and just, it'd be like 20, 30 bucks. And you'd just be like, and you'd be like super <laughs> fucking happy or whatever and for sure i if I, I i don't know if i bought any issues of slingers but for sure there were issues of slingers in those in those 10 cent bins or whatever so those were those were yeah. awesome no what what eventually brought like after i had quit comics like the first time and like i then i very shortly after got back into it like what brought the slingers back to my attention ironically was poor fucking hornet showing up as a corpse in in Mark Millar's Wolverine run like where like they when he was brainwashed by Hydra and like Nick Fury just comes across like Hornet's corpse because he got like in Wolverine's way or whatever so like that and that I remember that pissed me off cuz I was like oh man like they could like you know you were kind of like you know I read that whole book and I like liked those characters and then the next time he shows up he's fucking cannon fodder like oh but you know but ironically enough like hornets had like a sort of legacy too like cuz like not only like hornet shows up again in that again in that stupid ass peter david scarlet spider book where like there's a new hornet and the rest of the slingers have to team up with like Ben Riley to figure out who it is and who it turns out to be is completely crazy town banana pants out of left field or whatever. And then Hornet's niece or something becomes like a villain to X 23 because she, she becomes like the, the red Hornet and she's like, Oh, cause my uncle was killed by Wolverine. Like, and like X 23, oh, like fights oh, her oh, so like at some point, like so the, she's the gonna red vendetta against X 23 because yeah, Wolverine so like, killed her uncle. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So like that, she's like the red Hornet. I think she's out there somewhere. And then just recently, if you're familiar with like Spider-Verse, you know that like, you know, uh, Miles Morales's uncle, like Aaron Davis is the prowler like in that. And they recently ported him over to like 616. So now now that they've got like the movie like superstar like prowler, they they already had a prowler and Hobie Brown. But just recently, like Hobie Brown showed up wearing the Hornet costume because he's the one who made it basically originally for Spider-Man. Like when Spider-Man was like making his four like alternate I- identities and like Hobie Brown did his like technical stuff and made the Hornet costume for Spider-Man. So like they I think it was in a, like a recent King in Black tie in where like Hobie Brown was like, oh, well, there's a new prowler out there. So I need a new like superheroic identity and I made the Hornet suit. So now I'm the Hornet. So, yeah, now Hobie Brown is the Hornet. So. Yeah, like the Hornets had a, a legacy despite the original guy being like, you know, dead for like a long time. So, but yeah, I don't know. What what are your guys like? You, you already said a little bit. Well, what are your guys like history with the Slingers? I read parts of Identity Crisis and I had this because I had a subscription to Wizard for 
a very, very long time. Like, I think I finally canceled my subscription in, like, 2002 or 2003, maybe. So I had this, and I liked this issue, but I never, ever tracked down, like, any of the issues from the ongoing. I don't know why. I don't know if I just, if they weren't, like, you know, at Dalton Books or or what. I mean, I'm sure I, like, saw them at comic stores or something, but I just, I don't know. I guess it just was not a priority because I was buying so many other titles at the time. I mean, at, at one point in the 90s, I was getting, like, 12 different ongoings, and you know, a month, and then that's not including, like, other random stuff I would just buy on a whim, you know. I don't know. I mean, you guys were talking about these guys, like, off air before we started it, and I was just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know anything what you're talking about. <laughs> like, that's how much I, like, how much they, like, registered with me, like, after after this issue. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like this is the opposite of my Thunderbolt story, whereas, like, the Thunderbolts I looked at and went, who are these new assholes? And then I went, oh, wow, they have a great twist. I'm going to read their comic book. It, it, I think I just got as far as, who are these new assholes? And then nothing ever <laughs> happened after that, like. For me, I mean, I did I did end up, you know, uh, I guess a peek behind the curtain. We've put off recording this for a couple weeks, so I did end up reading most of the Slingers issues. I mean, you know, it's it's it was an OK book. I mean, it 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 had some intrigue to it. I, I think eventually I got used to the characters. I, I, I think because of the quote unquote murder of Dusk or the death of Dusk or whatever the hell, you know, the. Uh, I don't know, uh, abandonment at the scene of the crime thing or whatever. Like, it's like she comes back fairly quickly. And I I think maybe that's a good thing. Because it's like, I don't know, it was weird. It was like, that was supposed to be the hook. But then they realized it didn't hook anybody. So then they just kind of... And, and, and I think, I don't know, like, having a bunch of quote-unquote teen heroes who are living in fear of being, I don't know, brought to jail because they ran away from a girl who took a dive off a roof like that doesn't that doesn't seem like very i don't know heroic or anything to idealize or whatever and so when they bring her back then it starts being a little more you know okay she doesn't know exactly who she is like i don't i don't think they ever really answer who she is like it's funny because i was joking about this before but i mean it is kind of true like for all those uh Mephisto stands out there, you know, instead of fucking WandaVision or whatever, they should make a, a Disney Plus Slingers TV series so that all these <laughs> idiots can have their Mephisto theories confirmed because Mephisto plays a large role in the last three issues of the finale of that title, you know, and, and, and that's one of those things I was looking at it. I was like, that's even an even more different interpretation of Mephisto than Busima or John Romita Jr. It's just like I think it was like Javier Javier Like I think he was just doing like his own like I don't know. He just kind of made up whatever version of Mephisto he felt like because it's it's definitely not a version that's on any model I've ever seen before or after. But I mean, it is supposed to be Mephisto, and it seems like. They have that whole backstory with the the elderly golden age, quote unquote hero, Black Marvel, you know, and I mean basically it seems like he sold his soul to Mephisto, 
but it doesn't seem like Mephisto necessarily had a hand in the creation of the Slingers or Dusk or anything like that. I mean, they kind of play with the the love triangle tension a little bit, like like Prodded or no, uh, Hornet. Hornet is super into Dusk, who's like this kind of cutesy little goth girl or whatever. But she's super into Ricochet, who already has a fucking girlfriend. So, you know, and it's like, I don't know, there's all that stuff. So if, like, you're into the teeny bopper kind of, you know, like, I don't know, John Romita romance type stuff, you know, the Gwen, Mary Jane, Peter Parker type stuff, like, there's, there is, there is some of that in there that makes things interesting, I guess. Prodigy, I don't know, it's weird. It's like, Prodigy has a pretty decent arc. Which is why I find it funny how they treated him in Civil War. Because it's like, he starts off kind of like a jock asshole. And then by the end of it, it's like he kind of, you know, and that that's because he he's the one being the most strongly mentored by the Black Marvel who made the deal with Mephisto, right? Like, so he's he's sort of under that guy's influence and, and picks up all of his bad habits and that kind of thing. But, you know, by the end of it, it's like he's... He's freed himself from that and, and actually becomes a a real friend to the other cast of characters, you know, and they're actually calling each other, you know, it's like the, the whole arc is, you know, the whole run of the book. He's like, don't call me, you know, Richie, like uh, my code name's Prodigy. Don't call me Richie. And, you know, by the end of it, it's like, you know, he's like, all right, see you later, Richie. And he's like, you know, oh, uh, uh, see you later, Johnny, you know, like, like, and he's, he's, he's evolved i guess you know so there's there was that aspect to it of course then i think the next time you see him he's like a drunken idiot in civil war and gets arrested right like so i mean you know it's like i don't don't know that he learned too much but or at least they did much with what he did (laughs) learn in in his own book you know yeah he's got uh, prodigy is probably my favorite character of the four of them because and because he well he did get the most like screen panel time over the years and like they kind of like they salvage him kind of in like uh, Avengers Initiative, mm-hmm. where like he has another like sort of learning how to be a hero arc and stuff. He's he's the star of a a Fear itself miniseries. I think it was called Youth and Revolt, where Steve Rogers puts him in charge of like the remnants of the Initiative or whatever, and he has to kind of wrangle them all to fight like the fair itself like juggernaut or whatever and like that was a pretty decent like i think it's like a three issue mini series and like yeah so and and prodigy is also a video game star because he's a boss in the ultimate alliance number two that had you know the ripped off like civil wars like storyline mm. and like you fight prodigy like he's like a mini boss or whatever for the anti-registration side but but yeah and i mean the like i said the other three have had various like I know there was a rumor not maybe a month or two ago that like, you know, when Sony is like, you know, Sony's trying to still like poach as many Spider-Man characters into their own like cinematic universe as they possibly can. And there was a rumor that there was a Dusk like movie like in production Hmm. or some kind of, you know, someone had optioned that character off to make a movie about her and like. I mean, she. I guess she has potential. I feel like she's kind of like Raven, like sort of, mm, like where I she, she kind of has that, yeah, yeah, yeah I, that I, kind of potential. That like, makes sense. I, I I feel like she's she's a lot less explored than Raven too. So if they were gonna make a movie about her, they could probably 
do whatever the hell they wanted and it wouldn't necessarily contradict anything because yeah. there really isn't a whole lot to contradict at this point. I, yeah. I enjoyed, then, you know, you know what I kind of liked? I, I liked the little, what was it, like the one shot with uh, Ricochet and the it's like Nanny and the Orphan Maker go after him. Like, I thought that was pretty cool, but maybe that's just because I have a soft spot for stupid egghead Nanny and Orphan Maker or whatever, you know, because they were in <laughs> X Factor. But like, I... I, I I thought that was interesting, and the, the you know the I'm I, I guess in a weird way I'm kind of always fascinated by those mutants who somehow aren't part of the cool kids club. Like I'm like, well, does Ricochet go to Krakoa? Like, I, and I thought uh, you know I think in the back of my mind I was like, well, shit, did Wanda take his powers away? Is that what becomes of this guy? And then I was like, well, he was in the Loners, and then I wonder what happened to him after that. And it's like, uh, ironically, uh, Ricochet kept his powers after M Day, and I was like, oh shit, they let him keep his powers. Like that's that's pretty cool, you know. So yeah, one wonders if he's on Krakoa now. Like like someone's you know. This is the, I remember not too long ago, I was trying to think of mutants that I haven't seen on Krakoa, and I was wondering if they like show up there eventually, like Ricochet. There was another really obscure... Oh, uh, in a Judas Traveler, because we talked about him like <laughs> when we last talked about like the Clone Saga. I was like, yeah. I wonder if they're on Krakoa. Like, like, but... Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if Judas Traveler lost his powers, though, or not. That's true. He could have been M-Dade, yeah. yeah. But and then, like I said, like Hornets had a slew of uh, legacy characters like spring out of him, like and it's too bad because like, like I said, I was really pissed off when like and I, like I think Mark Millar even went online and was like, "Aha, Slingers fans! Like Hornet died like a bitch! Haha!" Like and I'm like, he fucking fought Wolverine! Like what the like what do you think was gonna happen? But like I remembered being pissed off at that, but what was I going to say? Like that loners miniseries, which I mean, I liked up until the last couple issues, like had a pretty okay arc for Ricochet where he was dealing with the guilt of like Hornet's death because he was supposed to go with him, like to fight Wolverine. Mm. And he like bailed on him at the last minute. And like that, like that. So that was a pretty good, like, you know, arc for him. But, but yeah, like, I mean, I mean, all four of these characters, like I, I, they, they are characters I would like Marvel Legends of. I'll put it that way. Like, oh. like even, even if they, like, I, I don't think any of them have had like super strong like stories or anything. I think I, they're all four good designs, like character wise, and they all have a lot of potential. And like, I think I have a soft spot for them. So like, I would like to see them all get like you know action figures, and I would like to see them like pop up in the future somewhere, but. Yeah, I, I mean, that's maybe like it's not like the Thunderbolts where they're like, I'm like, yeah, the Thunderbolts have been awesome, like for 20 something years or whatever. It's like the Slingers, like, like not so much like. There's, there's still a well of untapped potential there, I feel like. I think you'd have to make them in a box set for me to bite on that. I, I don't know that I'd hunt them all down individually. Or, or, or the it's like you know the the build a figure can be the Grizz or something stupid you know I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, he's pretty low on my uh, <laughs> want list. But, yeah. When this originally came out, I remember thinking like when Dust took her mask off, I was like, how is she supposed to fight crime with all that shit in her face? Yeah, all the piercings and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
because it's magic. She's got dark force energy. I don't know. That that that's what like they really should have explored that more because like I said, Dusk was a the original Dusk was a dude from the negative zone, and like he had like he gave the Dusk suit to Peter Parker. And Peter like took it and it was dusk, and then he threw the suit in his attic. So if that's the same, like in in at some point in Slingers, like Peter Parker goes up to his attic and finds that the costumes are still up yeah, there. Yeah, they're still there. So like I guess Mephisto made a duplicate of this special dusk costume, like or or something. Mm-hmm. Well, then I and guess like I said, see that's what's weird though, because because when they go to Mephisto's realm, like she she seems pretty pretty adamant that. Mephisto doesn't have anything to do with her abilities or powers, but if Mephisto replaced the costume, then wouldn't he have to have? I don't know. That 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 makes my or maybe head he gave her some kind of equivalent to those powers mm. or something. Or, or, or maybe maybe he I found don't... another. Like maybe there's more than one suit in the negative zone, and he just got a replacement or something. I don't know. Yeah. And then, like, they, they also sort of imply that, like, the cape that Prodigy has is what gives him his powers or whatever, but, like, they never really explain that thoroughly. And in all subsequent appearances, Prodigy still has, like, super strength and bulletproof, like, armor or whatever, so, and and can fly or jump. Like, they never really—that's a kind of an ongoing joke in the series is they're, like, they're not sure if Prodigy flies or jumps because he's always just, like— whoosh, whoosh. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, the, the prodigy's my out of the four of them. He's probably my like I, I like his design the best, and I like like I thought his character arc was the best. I'm trying to think like I I feel like unless you had swappable heads for like goth goth girl dusk, like that would be a pretty boring figure in in my estimation. But I think if if you know like I could see why prodigy would be a cool figure. And I could see why Ricochet would be a cool figure, and I could see why even Hornet would be pretty cool, you know, because they all have, you know, fun things, whether it's, you know, that the, the Hornet has his, you know, kind of almost Beatlesque gear, you know, Ricochet has like the cool leather jacket and yeah. the... The, so what, the, what it, yeah that's a, see that's another thing did Mephisto like because the hornet suit was made by Hobie Brown so did Mephisto like commission Hobie Brown to make him another hornet suit or something or but I don't know I don't think that's ever really explained but but yeah I mean I like I said I brought this issue because I have a soft spot for the slingers and I remembered like like you know wizard had this zero issue and yeah Cool. All right. Well, I I think this wraps up our coverage of zero issues for this episode. If you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can email us at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of episodes, you can do so over on the fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. You can direct download all the episodes. Or if you so choose, you can stream. We are on Stitcher Radio Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music, and we can be found on Apple Podcasts, and we're, of course, on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, retweets that we receive. And until the next time, this is Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Hey, it's Mike, and I'm taking it on myself to turn zero back into nothing. And this is Justin, signing off. That was a Metal Gear reference. Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Crumb last at your Metal Gear. <laughs> when you are alone.
You hear me, Hasbro? I'll take a Slinger's Marvel Legends, but not the Grizz. Ha- Hasbro NSA. Oh, yeah, but for shit sure, they're going to make Grizz the Build-A-Figure. <laughs> the Build-A-Figure, yep. The Grizz. Well, you would like a Nanny and Orphan Maker. Yeah, I- I'd take a Nanny and Orphan Maker. That 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 would make what you could you you could give the stupid egg like the big hunk of the orphan maker and then give like the other slingers like the arms and the legs. Yeah. Do it. And nanny and orphan maker are on Krakoa, right? Yeah, it's, they're part of the Hellions. Yeah, the Hellions, right? Yeah, I remember they were in some one of those fucking inane books, right? <laughs> Throw Ricochet and Judas Traveler on a team. Oh, boy. They're write-in votes for the next team of X-Men. <laughs> oh, boy. Hello. Hello. Yes. I just got Megatron, so I can't help but keep talking in David Kay's voice. Yes, like look, I, like look at the look at this look at this face. Like, I can't I can't even help it. It's like yes, what sheer ruthlessness! What disregard for sentient life! My mom's like, in thirty years, they'll make a a Transformers cartoon in computers. And I'll be like, that sounds great, and my mom's like, no, it really was, it really won't be. Like, <laughs> you would think so, but no. When did your mom become like the ghost of Christmas future? Or whatever? I know. I, I, I'm giving my mom powers she doesn't have. Perhaps Michael's mom is a golden disc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This mother contains images recorded in the future. <laughs> I just imagine Megatron like spinning your mom around. <laughs> Whatever your mom looks like. I don't know. She looks like a mom. That's what I figured. Who knew? Your She's mom gonna, looks like a She's mom. She's going to be a dizzy mom. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> And that like record player he had in his like little attachment or whatever. Ugh. 
I gotta tell you, I didn't reread any of this stuff because I didn't have the time, and then I just got lazy and said screw it. So <laughs> yeah, I only read it once. Like, and it, well, I read it once, and I like reread all of Slingers basically just to remind myself what was what happened in it and whatever where this goes. Had had we recorded this a, a week or two ago, I, I would have reread none of Slingers, and today I was just like, ah, fuck it, I'll read some of this Slingers crap. <laughs> and I was trying to read the Return of the Slingers, but of course, I open up Return of the Slingers Part 1, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then I'm like, oh, I have to read like two issues before Part 1, so I know what the fuck is going on. So. <laughs> is that the Peter David arc? Or... Yeah. Yeah, it was not too good. That whole book was not, that Scarlet Spider book was not too good. Yeah, it was a real disappointment. I wasn't like fascinated with it. I'm like, oh wait, they return in like the Ben Riley turned crazy book or whatever. And I'm like, so, but when I opened up part one, which I have yet to read, I was like, wait, what is, looks like they're already all here. Like what's going on? Like they came out of nowhere. Like, and I'm like, that can't be. And then I went back two issues and I was like, oh, I see. The the revelation that Hornet was cyber, that, that came out of left field. Spoilers. No, I think I read something about that on Wikipedia. Captain Marvel broke up with Rhodey because she went to the future and she met like Rhodey's daughter and she wasn't the mother. So she was like, well, I better break up with them. So. <laughs> and then I guess she like rebounded with Doctor Strange or something. So, uh, what? Yeah, that that's what happened in the last issue, I guess. Peace. Brody was all like, "Man, crazy white woman! I gotta go be in Falcon and Winter Soldier anyway." Like, hmm. yeah, that was uh, definitely more my speed than. Yeah, I like. I mean, they, the 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 title of the show wasn't achieved really i mean well i mean they were both in it but they didn't interact or anything but i mean well, it was still okay there was parts with the falcon and there was parts with <laughs> yeah, the no, I know, I know, but I, you know they, they kept selling the show on like you know the Riggs I mean, and murtaugh kind of I, 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 i'm just saying but... it's not like they called it star trek discovery you know <laughs> come on i thought the name of the show was the falcon and the winter soldier joined at the hip or something like no, no, it was good though. I liked it. Hey man, I think I think they need to make a uh, a Slingers Disney Plus show so all these kids' Mephisto theories can finally, finally, know, finally right? uh -huh. pay off. Mephisto was fucking with Spider Man shit way before like one more day. He he broke into Aunt May's house and went into the attic and stole like the Slinger costumes or whatever. Or I actually he didn't. I think he just kind of no. like. Yeah, he just kind of made them duplicated. up. Yeah, I think because Peter doesn't Peter like go into the attic and like make sure he the does. costumes are still there at some he point. Does. Yeah, he does. He he he. It, it, the the reason why that stands out to me is because I think the the copy I had on my hard drive was missing those last two pages, and I was like, I know this isn't the end of it. So then I looked, you know, another copy and was like, oh yeah, here are the last two pages, and it was Peter like checking his. Uh, closet or whatever going they're still here <laughs> uh, 
I think Aunt May was like dead at that point, quote unquote dead, keeping all this Spider-Man shit up in her attic. But then again, if she's like, you know, amazing friends, Aunt May, she probably can't see any of that shit anyway. So I also read some issues of Web Spinners because it listed Dusk as being a character that appears. But then, like, it turns out it's like right after oh, the, Mary the Jane, original Dusk. I, I guess I don't I don't know is that is that is that the original Dusk like the alien like version the, the one yeah the one that's in the negative zone like yeah yeah well like this where Peter first got that costume from the negative zone and it was uh, like some like alien negative zone guy who was Dusk and he was like ah oh, I got hurt you be Dusk now and Peter's like wait what and then he does he just went back to reality with that costume and. Then he was like, I should use this. I, 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 yeah, I don't, uh, all I remember is I, it, it seemed like it was like a tie-in to um, Spider-Man Unlimited because the two issues, it's like he goes to the negative zone, he puts on the Spider-Man Unlimited costume, uh, Cletus Cassidy somehow is sucked in with him, and then it was this kind of weird thing where like, he wears the Spider-Man Unlimited costume, he meets Dusk, teams up with Dusk, to fight Blastar, and then somehow Cletus finds another symbiote, becomes Carnage, and becomes Blastar's lieutenant, but then gets mad when Blastar decides to turn off the machine that's going to, like, blow up the universe, because he's like, why are you turning it off? This is going to be totally rad. But I, I, I have to admit, I didn't, I didn't see, like, Carnage and Blastar, like, working together in my little fortune-telling card of things that I would... And worst of all, like what turned Carnage off worst of all was Blastar used the word snacky. Mm, yes, yes. He was like he's like, turn off them snacky machines. Like, what? No, no. But yeah, like the, originally like the dust costume was like some negative zone like identity for some negative zone guy. I, what what are the natives of the negative zone? I don't even know. I, I imagine it's wildly inconsistent. Yeah. 